Hi, I'm Lauren, that's Jordan, and welcome to the His Film, Her Movie podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the His Film, Her Movie podcast. How are you all? Not ill. Not ill. It's amazing. And Laura's very happy because right by her left hand, she has... A little glass of wine. A little glass of wine. A little bit of vino de plage, <laughs> as, we, as we like to call it. So for those who haven't um, listened to the show before, we are a movie podcast. Yes. We, we like to take subjects and situations, each choose a film on it, watch them and discuss them. That's pretty much a show in a nice little bite-sized... In, in a nutshell. That is the idiom I was thinking of. The idiom. And he likes to use big words. And I just love... I just it's a five-letter word. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated word <laughs> for a Wednesday evening. <laughs> it is. So what have we got this week? Well, before we start, though... Yeah? I have to do a shout out okay. to Lady Lowry because every single time I see her, she always asks about the podcast and told me on Tuesday that we have to hurry up and get another episode out. So I'm going to dedicate my half of this to Lady Lowry and please don't make me lift any heavier kettlebells in class because they really hurt. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so the subject of this episode is comic book films that aren't superheroes. Yeah, so something, everybody thinks comics are just superheroes. Spandex. Spandex and flying around and fighting bad guys, but there's so many different genres. And so we thought we would get some films that maybe people wouldn't know were based on comics or would never even heard of. And so we can have a wee chat about them instead. Yeah. So my choice for this week is the 2007 French film, although it is about a story of Iran. And it's um, in English. It's all very it's, confusing. Well, it's actually in French. That's one thing that I was going to fess up to is oh, okay. the Blu-ray, I didn't realise, defaults to the English dub version and not the original French so okay. therefore, we watched the American version of it. Well, I didn't know that. And I realised I was going to say something, and then I've stopped myself because it's, it sounds really stupid. <laughs> I was going to say, you couldn't tell it was dubbed. Like, their, <laughs> their mouths and everything all moved in time. <laughs> but when you talk about the film... An animated... It's and... an animated film, and you go, well, yeah, no shit, Lauren. <laughs> Kind of makes sense that they would be able to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, my choice is Persepolis. Yeah. What did you choose this week? I picked the 2001 film Ghost World. Yes. The Scarjo Thora Birch vehicle. Yes. <laughs> that one. It's great. So, yeah, we'll get into that um, soon. But do we have any other sort of business that we need to deal with or... Um, not really. I think we've managed to catch everybody up. Um, we did, of course, have like that week off. We're all caught up again. Everything is going quite well. We did put out the little thing which, which you made up, the guessing. The hints. The hints. Um, we did, we got, we, we did have some guesses. 
Sadly, Casper was not correct. <laughs> that was only part of the first hint, not the second bit. And um, as, as I emailed you today, also, yours was too hard. Yes. For one, you had to be an American to get purse. And two, I, I still wouldn't be able to pick out Seth Blatter. Seth Blatter. I don't know who he is. <laughs> He's got something to do with football. <laughs> no, I think it was a little bit difficult. <laughs> but, so hard. But we'll, we'll, I'll try and make it a bit more simple the next week. But which film do you want to discuss first? You want to discuss yours first? Cool. I ask all the women present here today to refrain from wearing wide leg pants and makeup and to begin wearing longer headscarves that cover their hair entirely. If there are no questions, the meeting is adjourned. Yes? You say that our veils are too short, that our pants are indecent, that we wear makeup, etc., etc. As an art student, most of my time is spent in the workshop. In order to draw, I need to be able to move freely. A longer headscarf would make it all the more difficult. You also criticize us for wearing wide leg pants, even though they hide our curves effectively. But knowing these pants are in style right now, I pose a question. Is religion concerned with protecting our modesty, or is it just opposed to fashion? So, yeah, as I said before, Persepolis is a 2007 film mm-hmm. um, directed by Vincent Paranord and Marjane Satrapi, who is the f- subject of the film. It was her comic, <clears throat> um, and she went on to be a filmmaker in her own right. Mm-hmm. She made a film that I know you enjoy, a bit, a bit of an off-kilter film called The Voices, with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, is that the one where it has the head in yes. the fridge? Yeah, I really enjoyed that film. Freaks me the hell out. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah, because he has a talking cat. He has a talking cat, yeah. Yeah, I remember that film. <laughs> I think I watched it, and I think I watched it, like, really late at night. and was like, wow, this is a really mess with my head, this film. <laughs> it was a good film. I liked it. Good. And, yeah, so this is the story of Marjane, um, and... Not only is it a coming-of-age film, it's the story of the Iranian Revolution, so yeah. from 1978-79 to around about 1992. So you get to see the turmoil of that country at the time <coughs> and what it was like to grow up in it, um, to find your identity and things like that. So, actually, I want to throw it to you first. What did you think about Persepolis? Because I know you haven't seen it before. I haven't seen it before. Um, first off, thought it was Spanish because the music sounded very flamencory. Flamencory, is that a word? It is. Is it really? It is in my head. Should I get the Oxford Dictionary? <laughs> we, don't <have> we don't have an Oxford Dictionary for this precise reason, so you can't disprove my words. Um, so when you told me it was Iranian, completely threw me off kilter. Um, I really, really liked it. Good. Like, you've picked a film... Which was really, really, really good. Like, I would watch it again. Brilliant. Yeah. I don't mean, like, you don't normally pick good films. But, like, <laughs> I have discussed this with some friends. You keep on picking films where you think the men are really good and they're actually assholes. <laughs> um, so I was actually really pleased with this film because I, I really enjoyed it. I thought, I loved the style of the artwork. Mm. It was really good. It was. I found in some parts it was quite a serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Style, quite arty, 
quite flowing, and then other bits was just ridiculous and, and that's, I think really funny. You mentioned the artwork there, and I think that's the first thing you mentioned. Well, the first thing you see when mm-hmm. you watch a movie. Obviously, it's the first thing you see, but it's what's <laughs> <laughs> it's what's what it's what's striking about the film because. Yeah. It's in this very strange animated style, and it's in the style of the actual comic. Mm-hmm. So the way that Marjane looks in the comic exactly the same as the way Marjane looks in the film, mm-hmm. and it's very sort of low key. There's no bells and whistles. It's you can tell it's just done by your sort of your pen and your paper. Yeah, I think that's why I liked it. Mm. It was really simple, but it's. I think it, it's it's on a topic that's so complex and so severe mm. that to make it really bright and colourful and everything, I think would just probably end up distracting. Yeah. Whereas parts of it were really beautiful. Like when you saw like water, it would be like the really, it looked really flowing and everything. I actually made a note, and it sounds really stupid, but when they were getting bombed and their silhouettes were running down the stairs, mm. they actually moved like proper people. Like usually in cartoons, I always feel like they look a bit, Stiff, yeah. But they, the cart, they, the figures flowed really well, so it looks really for something as simple as that. It flowed really, really well. And that, it was enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and that's it. And what is I think it does well as um, also is the fact that you're taking well the first maybe ten fifteen minutes, it takes something so complex as the rise of that sort of nineteen seventy nine revolution of taking over the Shah mm-hmm. and things like that. It makes it really digestible, so you actually understand yeah. what's happening, and it do, it doesn't make it too serious. There is always that sort of light heartedness about light heartedness about it, and you understand the story that it's telling, the way it's coming from, and its point of view. But yeah, but like when when they have the whole um, the Shah being taken down and everything behind it, it's being told by basically a child. You're mm-hmm. seeing it through the child's point of view. It's like when they start reiterating what the grown-ups are saying. Yes. They're saying such serious, awful things, but they have literally no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. They don't know. They're just saying what you, they heard their parents say. And that's it. I think when you've got that sort of child mentality <clears throat> in, you hear things and you regurgitate it. It's like, for example, she is there at the start where she's sort of cheering for the Shah. Yeah. And the parents sit her down and say, well don't do that because that's not our... I mean, every person's available to their own thoughts, but you know what I mean? It's sort of like that's their first lesson to their daughter about the way the world works. Yeah, she's been told by a person in power, this is how you should think. She's believed her teacher. And so she's like, well, my teacher says so. Yeah. Why why would the teacher lie? And like, teacher's employed by the state the t- she's employed yeah. by the shah yeah so they're going to make going to make people like the shah and the way it sort of gets the environment across as well it's especially after that revolution and well it's one thing to say is their family that um Marjan gets brought up in is a pretty liberal family yeah and um, they have certain westernized values and things like that but the people who come in power aren't the people that they wanted. Wanted, no. So it's how do you form your identity and have a childhood in a in an environment where that's suffocated and you see the young people 
become just what exactly what the state wants. And it's why I think it's such a nice story because you get to see Marjane sort of rebel. Yeah, I love I loved her little teenage rebellion things of like, I'm gonna go listen to Iron Maiden. Yeah. Like for us, like love that's not that's not rebelling, but for them, like she'd go like get it on the black market yeah. and everything and it was just it was it was really it it do you know what? You say it's like really nice and it's really cute, but the sad thing is that's what people do. No, exactly right. And what it shows you, I think, also is it shows an audience what it was like behind that curtain. It's yeah. like how what life is like because people think about Iran and people think about Iran what they see on the news, and especially around that time where it was sort of a war zone and you saw crumbling buildings mm-hmm. and you just saw the, the desolate sort of landscape. Whereas these people were living their daily lives, and you can see how they get their little sort of nuggets of joy in for Marge and it's punk and it's Iron Maiden and it's Bruce Lee films Bruce Lee films and you get to see okay there's all they do actually have a life and it's it's not all really really dour no yeah I think that's it I think it's it's hard because yeah you can we don't live there and you don't know what people are going through and then you it humanizes people more because you realize they're actually just exactly the same as us yeah but it was I found it quite difficult in parts to um, watch, especially when like she goes back home, um, like when she when she's left around and then she goes yeah. back when she's a bit older, um, and just like how all the women and everybody is treated and everything. And it's 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 because you see at the start and she's like a little kid running around. They're all at parties and they're just basically enjoying life yes the shah is causing problems and yes he's imprisoning people but then they get rid of him and everything just becomes so much worse Mm. and it's it kind of brings up the whole the lesser of the two evils because you have that in the middle east at the moment it's like if people hadn't gone in and done x so many years ago would we have x now well that's the thing is especially when you're talking about the rise of like the islamic um, it's like state yeah, and for the it's like at the beginning of this film we show the fact that the Shah was put into power by the British yeah, yeah and the Russians yeah we we messed up quite a bit over the years and sort of like the the, the dominoes <clears throat> that happened after that but yeah when when she does go to Iran and you're talking about again it's it's hard to relate to living in that sort of a place but also. At me as well, it's hard to relate to being a woman in that sort of place. Yeah. Because you have, you sort of get explained the reasons why they have to wear the shawls and the headdresses and how, well, in Marjane's case and her mother and grandmother's case, they don't want to. Yeah. But they feel that yeah. they need to. Well, they're actually made to. I love when she stand, when she stood up in her, in her lecture. And like, um, like the police is basically saying, right, all the women need to wear like longer veils and you can't wear this and you can't wear this. And she basically just stands up going, what about the guys? The guys are wearing like skin tight clothes, skin tight trousers. Um, we're active. If you put us in this, um, we can't be as active. The clothes that we're currently wearing hide how we look, Mm. but the the trousers are fashionable. So is it against fashion that you've got it? And only against fashion for women and everything. And you just think, 
God, how on earth did she not get shot? And that's it. And it brings to a scene in my mind that I remember her now where she gets sort of pushed upon her by two old women. Mm-hmm. And the they way float past. And they the way they're animated, it's it's sort of like an old Disney movie, like all Disney villains where they don't seem to walk, they seem to float and they don't, don't seem to have, have a arms. Body. They're and, just like triangles. Yeah, and it was so weird in the scene how take your head to dress down, stop looking like a slut or things like that. It's even when you get to the get to the scene where she's running for a bus and she gets stopped by police. Because no, it's because her bum is wobbling because she's running for a bus and she's like, Yeah, well stop looking at my ass then. Yeah. Simple. I've got to get to class. I've got to run for the bus because I'm running late. Don't stare at me and then it'll all be fine. And that's it. And I mean, I do. This is a film. I mean, I haven't watched it in years and years. And it, I absolutely adore it. I think it takes such a serious subject and treats it with the respect that it deserves, but puts in a, puts across its message in a way that is so entertaining. Yeah. And it's not overbearing, and it's like it's very accessible. Like if I told you you weren't because you never you actually didn't know what you were going to watch. No, I didn't, and I purposely didn't want to know. And what, if I said, said well, you were going to watch uh, a coming of age film set during the Iran Revolution, I'm pretty sure it would be like right. So well, it's on Instagram right now. <laughs> yeah, but but then you but you enjoyed it. I did. I really enjoyed it, and I think a lot of people could. It's it's not like a massively art house film. It's, it's not, not art house. It's not um, something that it weighs really. It makes you think about things. But I think you have to be in the right frame of mind to be able to to want to think about things. I think it could be something that you could very easily watch just just for fun. Yeah, absolutely. The way it's done, there's some really funny parts that I was giggling at. The animation is really good. Um, in that really nice, clean, simple way. And that's it. It's really sort of... I mean, it's lovely to look at, and there's that sort of use of style that they've got where everything that's outside of Iran mm-hmm. is in colour. Yeah. And everything inside of... When she goes back to Iran is black and white. And most of this film is sort of in that black and white and like a billion shades of grey. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of... You understand the, the very easy sort of metaphor that they're saying there is like okay, you're out and you're free and everything is so nice and we have to go back. And she goes back for her family because... She's so homesick. She's homesick and she's on the streets and she's t- taking a few wrong te- wrong steps. But, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really pleased you like it. Yeah, I do. I really liked it. Good. Well done, you. <laughs> First one down. So should we move on to Ghost World? Yes. I love Ghost World. I have a decaf mocha to go. One decaf mocha? Decaf mocha. Can I get you? No, I do not want a biscotti with that. God. How can you stand all these assholes? Some people are okay, but mostly I just feel like poisoning everybody. Well, at least the wheelchair guy is entertaining. He doesn't even need that wheelchair. He's just totally lazy. <laughs> that rules. No, it really doesn't. You'll see. I get totally sick of all the creeps and losers and weirdos. But those are our people. Yeah, well. So when are you going to get a job? I'm working on it. Got a few leads. You know, don't worry about it. I'll get a job next week. Okay, so Ghost World, as I said, it was released in 2001. 
Um, it was directed by Terry Zwigoff. And it was based on the comic book by Daniel Clothes, who also wrote the screenplay with Zwigoff. So the, the three main people in it are Enid, Rebecca and Seymour. Enid is played by Thora Birch, Rebecca by Scarlett Johansson, and Seymour by Steve Buscemi. I can never say his name right. Buscemi. Buscemi. Are you sure that's right? Buscemi. I don't think it's right. <laughs> I love this film because it shows the absolute banality of just a normal life. Mm. It is. like They go, it starts, and they're going to high school, and um, it's like the last day, it's their graduation. And they can just, they're just totally done with everything. Mm. It's, they are like the, the alternative kids. Yeah. They are the ones who are sick of the consumerism, um, all the buy this, buy this now, do this, do this now kind of people. They're like, no, we just want to enjoy our lives and enjoy whatever things that we have. And it kind of follows them over the summer in between um, after they break up from high school and they graduate and um, the friends that they make, um, which is Seymour. Yeah. Who is older than them. And he's he's really Enid's friend. He's not Mm. only Rebecca's friend. And then the relationship that Enid develops with Seymour. I think think it's it's important to understand how they become friends and how... The reason they get to meet is because Enid thinks it would be funny to, to mess with him. To mess with him because they see a sort of a lonely heart side in the newspaper. Yeah. Thinks he sounds pathetic. So Enid in her sort of I mean, yes, yeah, she can be a little bit cruel at times where I think it's I don't think it's cruel cruel. I think it's more immaturity. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is proven more as it goes on. Um, throughout the summer, she kind of stays the same, and like her fashion stays the same. And then by the end of it, Scarlett Johansson's got a job. She's looking a lot more older, yeah. grown up. Her clothes and everything. She doesn't want to play silly pranks yeah. and do silly things anymore. Whereas Enid does. She wants to carry on enjoying herself. Cool. And um, would you like to know what I think about this movie? I guess so. <laughs> Sound just a tiny bit more. Enthusiastic, and it's it's a bit of an interesting one because if we did this podcast right after we watched it, and yeah. I, I have seen this film before, but again, God, over ten years ago, really, yeah, okay, um, and if we did this podcast right after it, I would have been a hell of a lot more negative than I am because I think during it, I just kept on not getting along with Enid. See, now, I find that very strange because I see a lot of myself so, well, that's in it. Enid. And that, sorry, go on. I really do. And I was expecting you to go, yeah, no, and that's why I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> but I, I do. I, I think that's why I really like her. Like, she like everything, everything that she wears in this whole thing. I'd be like, yeah, I have that. And that's it. I, think, I like her, everything about her. So. And I think part of why I sort of didn't go on with it because I saw a little bit part of myself in it. Mm-hmm. And whereas she is the sort of the whirlwind of this movie, whatever she touched kind of breaks. Yeah. But it doesn't break because things are against it. It breaks because she's so destructive mm-hmm. of everything. And she's sort of the, the catalyst to, to 
for all that destruction because she's brash and she's not loud, but she never ever takes away her. She doesn't speak undertone. She'll always say what she thinks and she'll do that sometimes to the detriment and sometimes which comes across as a bit ignorant. You're marrying a wonderful woman. (laughs) (laughs) You have just described me. (laughs) But then it's after the film and you look at it and the way it treats, it's, I mean, it's it's about, it's a film about the people who fall between the cracks. Yeah, definitely. It's how they find their own niche and how they um, succeed in life in the in any way possible. Now with Rebecca, you can see the way that she still remains the same, but she understands that she's in the real world. She needs to grow up. She needs to do this and do that and do whatever. Whereas Steve Buscemi's character, like there's parts of Steve Buscemi's character that I relate to. Mm-hmm. But I don't relate to the way he sometimes goes about him doing that, where sometimes he can be a bit on the nose and also go into places where he knows isn't great for him just because he's lonely. Yeah. The point I want to make about Edith is I... the What I get from it, I think because I identify with this character a lot, especially when um I was about that age, and... What what I see is, um, I know you go, oh yeah, she's brash and she's this and she's this. I don't see it as that. I see it as very much, she is, she's terrified. Yeah. This is a complete and utter front. And little things like, she makes fun of people because everybody's obviously always liked Rebecca more. Mm. Rebecca's the pretty one. Rebecca gets the attention. She doesn't. So she has to literally, so she's either, she's got to the point where she's like, somebody please just look at me and acknowledge that I am here. Throughout the whole of it, I think that's probably why I identify with her because there's parts of that at times where I had friends who I absolutely loved, but always got all the attention. So I would be louder and Mm. I would be like, right, well, I'm just going to speak on mine because it obviously doesn't matter because whatever I do, she's going to be the shining golden child. She's always going to be that. And I think that's why I really like it because you see when everything starts going wrong, she does, she completely breaks down. All those walls fall down. You realize she's just a little girl who has, she doesn't know what she wants to do. Everybody's going off and they're going to college and they're doing this and they're doing that. She doesn't know. And that's, I think, as well, is where when I've came around because after the film, I was just like, I'll just grow up. But then and you think... You have of, grown up. But, but then you think about, okay, well, she's actually just... She's not refusing to grow old. She's just so ridiculous. She's scared of mm-hmm. failing, of not being accepted in that world like she was not accepted in her high school world. Yeah. And that... And that's the part where it really got to me. And what I think about this film as well is it is, you can see the thread. It's sort of like prototype Diablo Cody film. So I don't know if you know, Diablo Cody did Juno, she did Tully, did I was going to say, before you actually explain that, to the listeners out there, my face was completely blank. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. So if you didn't, 
don't worry, I'm sitting in the same room, same, still don't know what he's saying half the time. So Diablo Cody is a screenwriter. She wrote Juno. Have you ever seen Juno? I know, I didn't I know Juno. It's got Ellen Page in it. It does. And that guy from Superbad. Yes. Michael Sierra. Michael Sierra. Same thing. <laughs> and so, yeah, so you've got that sort of quip, dry humour. Yeah. Very one-linery at times where they can sort of cut apart someone by just a sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that very much in sort of Diablo Cody's work. And not, I mean, I think some of Diablo Cody's stuff does it better, but that's not to say that this isn't really worth your while um, because it's one that stays with you. And it has stuck with me watching two days ago. I'm still thinking about it today. And I'm still sort of reassessing parts of it. Yeah. And that's what you want. It's a, it is, it's a good... It's a grower. It's a really good film. I think as well, it's... It, the whole title, like, Edith basically has spent her whole life as a ghost. And then at the end, she is just... She, she is a ghost. She's just floating through. Everybody else is getting on with their lives. And she's just the ghost, just like completely floating through. Yeah. And not knowing where she's going or what she's doing or what's going to happen to her. And I think that is something that probably most people can relate to. Mm. Just and, and, and the so, losing of a best friend for years, because she does, they grow apart. And that happens with everybody. You yeah. lose friends over the years. But, like, they had so many plans together. When it came to it, she was just too scared to actually go through with them. Yeah. But it's, I mean, there's some parts where I think when she sort of has a little bit of a... But she doesn't like the fact that her father is seeing this woman. And even though that the fact that she makes him happy, mm-hmm. she's a bit offish with her. And she calls her a monster, though, yeah. so we don't know what happens. So that's it. I would like to have seen what made her a monster, or was it just her not liking yeah. or wanting her father to herself, if you know yeah. what I mean? But now, I love, love her. I think she's cool. Cool. I like everything about her. But yeah, I mean, I do, it, I actually really do enjoy it. And I wouldn't have said that two days ago. Good. I was very, very looking forward to sort of tearing her apart. But now, now I've thought about it, I kind of understand. Yeah. Yet again, I have picked a great film. You picked a good film, yeah. <laughs> um, did you, I, I thought, I found some Easter eggs. I have watched this film several times. Okay. Okay. Um, the... Bus bench, did you see what it says? No. Life not in service. Okay. So it says that on the bus bench. Um, when they are looking at um, different apartments and they have the argument outside, did you see the woman in the background? No. There's a pregnant woman wandering around smoking a cigarette behind them, like watching them. And apparently she is... Um, she's wearing like the same pregnancy pads as people did, as somebody did in Fargo or something. Right, and I, I mean, I didn't see that, but I, that's a big part of the film as well. Is that sort of rallying against chains, rallying against sort of the the marketing machine? You see, sort of. Well, like... it's very funny that you say that because the third character right. that I spotted is behind um, Enid, and he's actually dressed all in Burger King, got Burger King hat, Burger King coat. Yeah. Eating Burger King right behind her. Full branding from head yeah. to toe. 
So yeah, it is. They just want to re- reject that whole thing. Yeah, they, they want to reject the masses. Uh, not, yeah. not, not, not to say that some of that masses is wrong. It's just the fact that sometimes it can be completely overbearing. Yeah, and I think that's it's quite nice in this film. If you if you watch it, you don't really see any brands yeah. anywhere, which I like. Um, I read something that although it's set in LA, it really could be set in anywhere, any town. Yeah. There's nothing specific to say it's LA other than they say, oh yeah, we live in LA. That's it. Yeah. And can I ask a question as well? Yes. Is it just weird that this is where Scarlett Johansson started? This is the, this is her acting style. Like, you look look at her early work, she was always that really dry, dry really sort of just not only emotional, but you know what I mean, sort of one note. And it works for her, but like where she's now... And she's like, it's like one of the leads in the Marvel Universe. It's like, what a transformation from the last, what, 17 years? Well, yeah, she was 15 when she starred in this. Yeah, yeah. And so, what, she's late, mid, mid-30s? mid She must be that right, yeah, now, so yeah. So, 35? Yeah, probably like 20 that. years? Yeah. So, yeah. But if you see, like, you still see her in, like, Marvel, and she's still doing this acting style. She still is this. She's every now and then puts in a bit more emotion, <laughs> other than anger. Though not often. Mm. She's she's a good. I I feel like she's a good angry actress, like Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence is good at being angry. She is, but I think Jennifer Lawrence is good at many things. Oh yeah, she is. But like, like she's she, just, she can scream. She's got. She's a good. She's got. A, she's a very believable angry. And so Scarlett yeah. Johansson. Yeah, I think sometimes you see people being angry, and it's like it's, it doesn't. It's not quite, quite there. These guys are good at it. Do you have anything else to add? I have some fun facts. Do him. I like my fun facts. Um, so the first one is that it was actually Zwigoff's wife who convinced him to turn the comic into a film. Right. And the second one was, um, again, the film is against um, consumerism, consumerism and commercialism. The studios in Hollywood said, oh, it's a teen girl film. We've got all this great pop music. They wanted to put like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and all this stuff in. And so that's why Seymour was developed in the way that he was to like all this old fit old music and collect it. So that way they didn't have to use any pop music. True. Because so, if you listen to the whole thing, there's no pop. Even when they go in the diners, they're picking like old classics, fifties sort of jive. or like punk stuff or um, Bollywood films. Mm. There, there is no music from that era no. in it, which I think is great. Um, and then the last one, which I thought was quite funny, the guy who plays the principal at the start is also in the film later on. He was accidentally cast as a customer in the pawn shop. There you go. But they didn't realise and just kept him in. (laughs) (laughs) Which I quite liked. (laughs) Very good. Thanks. Anything else? No, I just had three. Cool. So yeah, I think that's us for another episode. That's us, number seven, down. In the bag. We didn't get... We haven't been interrupted by the cat. No, she's about. She's behind me. Oh, I can see her. She's pawing at the blanket because she wants to sit on a seat that I've stolen. <laughs> She's not happy with me. 
But no, yeah, so as always, you can follow us on Twitter at HFHM Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram on HFHM underscore podcast. Yes, that is the one. Yeah. You can email us at HFHMPodcast at gmail.com. Yep. And iTunes reviews and ratings, please. That'd be great. And follow us on Spotify. And follow us. And also, if you do listen to us on um, Apple Podcasts, please press that subscribe button. It saves you from going in there every week and downloading. Because you just don't have time for that. Oh, yeah. It's boring. If you press subscribe, it goes straight onto your phone. Don't have to do anything. No. I know, that's how I like stuff. You don't have to do anything. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> it's like, think of it. Like Amazon shopping. Just <laughs> click a button and it arrives automatically. Yes. And then because we both work full-time jobs, we have to go to the rural post office to actually pick it up. Says you, I get stuff delivered to work. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> our, our office just is like, there's just ASOS and Birchbox <laughs> and this and this. It's just the, the, poor, the poor delivery man must be sick to death of our marketing office. <laughs> But yeah, that is another episode, so we'll see you next week. Bye.